familiar verses. Let's read it. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, Lord, open our hearts, I pray, for the next few moments that we may hear what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. I lift up to you other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you, that you draw them to a place of repentance, that not one of them is lost. I pray these things in the only name that matters, the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Several hundred years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah was able to look through the telescope of time and see the day when the salvation of God would be extended to all humanity and a new kingdom would be established. This kingdom wouldn't be a temporal earthly kingdom, but it would be a kingdom that would last for all eternity. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah proclaimed, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Then in the verse we read just a moment ago as the text for the message, the prophet takes just one verse to tell of the one who would bring light to those in spiritual darkness. When you examine this verse, it's amazing just how clearly the prophet was able to see the full scope of the life and ministry of this one who would be king in this new kingdom. He begins by saying, a child will be born to us, and in that statement reveals the cradle. This is what is highlighted during the Advent season, the birth of a baby, the Son of God, in a manger in Bethlehem. You know, the entrance of this new king didn't come the way most people expected. There was no pageantry surrounding his birth. There was no parade. There was no palace for this king. There wasn't an attending physician. There, there wasn't even any room in the inn. A lowly stable, poor peasant parents, a feeding trough for a bed. These were the humble beginnings of this one who is the hope of all humanity. Unto us a child is born. As unlikely as it seemed at the time, this child in the cradle was the fulfillment of promise. He was the fulfillment of the promise made to the first man and woman in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. He was the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham in Genesis 12.3. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse you, those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He was the fulfillment of the promise made to David in Psalm 132:11. The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will set upon your throne. 
He was the fulfillment of the promise made by the prophet in Jeremiah 23 and 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. This was the fulfillment of the promise made in Micah 5 and 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. See the precise lineage, the location, the time, the manner of birth. All of these are just a fragment of the hundreds of details God placed in his holy word to define the one who would be his chosen Messiah and king over his kingdom. And all of these are fulfilled down to the smallest detail in the birth of Jesus. This is the promise for which all the nations hoped, the hopes and dreams of all people for help and peace, and joy, and love, all of those are fulfilled in the birth of this baby in a manger. Unto us a child is born. And what I want you to know today is that just as the Lord promised hope to the nations before the birth of Jesus, the Lord is still proclaiming a promise of hope to people today. He is proclaiming a promise of hope to you, no matter what difficulty you may be facing. Maybe you're in the midst of a struggle right now. Maybe you're, you're dreading this season of the year because of all the hurt and disappointments you've experienced and all the, promise, all the problems you've faced and all the grief you carry. What you need to understand is that what you're in right now is not the end. What you're going through right now, God is using to prepare you for the next great event that he has planned for your life. So don't lose hope. Stay focused. Stay faithful, stay committed. No matter what happens, don't lose your hope. You may be in a season right now where all you have is a promise. You may in the, be in the midst of intense pressure right now. You may not see any way out of your problem, but don't lose your hope. Here's what the Lord wants to say to somebody. He wants to say to you, I'm getting ready to break in upon you in a new and dynamic way. I'm getting ready to demonstrate my might and my glory in a way you haven't dared to dream was possible. You're in a season right now where all you have is a promise. But he wants to say to you, I am the Lord your God. I'm not just Israel's God. I'm not just God of the patriarchs. I'm not just God of the prophets. I'm not just a God of your pastor. But but I am the Lord your God, and I'm getting ready to change your season. This is the message of the child in the cradle. It's a fulfillment of promise. Unto us a child is born. Well, after identifying the cradle, the focus of the prophet shifts a little further down the timeline, and he declares next in this verse, a son will be given to us. And in that brief phrase, he points to the cross. Even though most people either failed to remember or simply ignored the purpose of his coming, it really wasn't any great secret. This child, destined to become a king, was born to die. His purpose in life is articulated in the meaning of his name, Jesus, which means Savior. 
That's what John 3.16 is talking about when Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. As a child in the cradle, he's a fulfillment of promise. But as a son given on the cross, he is a forceful presence. See, I want to, let me just clue you in on something. Jesus wasn't born so that you could sing Christmas carols around a decorated tree. Jesus wasn't born so you could exchange gifts and send cards of greeting to friends far and near. He wasn't born so you could have office parties or so you could have a few days off from work or so the stores could increase their profit margins. Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem as the most graphic illustration of God's love that has ever been given. He went from commanding angels to sleeping in the straw. He went from holding stars to clutching Mary's finger. The hand that held the universe took the nail of the soldier. Why? Because that's what love does. He was born so that he could live a sinless life and then give that life to pay the penalty for your sin. The Father gave his only begotten Son. The Son, in turn, gave his life. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the children of men might become the sons of God. And all of that happens right here when unto us a Son is given. Before coming to Jesus, you had violated the divine law. You had broken the divine covenant. By all rights, God would have been thoroughly justified had he simply replaced you and started over. But instead of replacing you, he did something unimaginable. He redeemed you. That's why 1 John 3 and 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. This is what happens when unto us a son is given. See, not only does God love you so much, he is willing to come to where you are, but he, he loves you so much, he is not willing to be God without you. That's the message of the forceful presence that is manifested on the cross. It is this forceful presence that causes King Herod to feel his position so threatened by this baby born to be king that he will attempt to destroy his life by killing every infant from the age of two years old and under in the land. It is this forceful presence that causes the woman at the well in John chapter 4 to testify to the townspeople, come see a man who told me all that ever I had done. It is this forceful presence that Peter is preaching about to the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 when he says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. This son that was given as a savior on the cross this forceful presence is not just worshiped as a baby in a manger but he's the Christ he's the Messiah he's the anointed one of God he's the one before whom angels bow he's the one before whom demons tremble he is the one who is the answer to every part of the human question to the question of sin he is the savior to the question of sorrow he's the comforter to the question of bondage, he's the deliverer. To the question of sickness, 
he's the healer. To the question of despair, he is hope. To the question of fatigue, he is rest. To the question of weakness, he is strength. To the question of defeat, he is victory. To the question of death, he is the resurrection and the life. Whatever your question today, he is the answer. Whatever your problem, he is the solution. Because he is here, weeping is turned into rejoicing. Despair is turned into hope. Defeat is turned into victory. Because he is here, the tempter's power is broken. Sickness is turned into health. Brokenness is turned into wholeness. Somebody give him praise if you believe that today. Unto us a child is born. That's the cradle of fulfillment of promise. Unto us a son is given. That's the cross of forceful presence. And then the prophet sees one more picture. He says, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And in that statement shows the crown and identifies this king as the one who is forever preeminent. And this is the part of the prophecy that is yet to find its final and complete fulfillment. See, the first two parts of the prophet's words have already come to pass. We've seen the cradle at his birth. We've seen the cross at his death. But that isn't the end. It's true that Jesus died, but it's also true that Jesus is risen. It's also true that Jesus has ascended and has been exalted to the right hand of the Father. But there is more. So much more. There is yet coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is yet coming a day when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know, many missed the glories of his first coming because they didn't believe the promise. And as a result, they weren't prepared. I want to tell you, many are going to miss his second coming for the same reason. Too many have relegated Jesus to sentimental verses on decorated cards. They painted him in pastels and locked him in stained glass. Consequently, they aren't looking for his coming. And they don't realize that his second coming is going to be far different than his first coming. See, when he came the first time, there was no room for him in the end. When he comes again, he's coming to inherit the world. The first time he came, he came to a crucifixion. The next time he comes, he's coming to a coronation. The first time he came, he came to hang on a tree. The next time he comes, he's coming to sit on a throne. The first time he came, he stood before his accusers in shame. The next time he comes, he's coming in dazzling splendor. The first time he came, he came to redeem us. The next time he comes, he's coming to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. The first time he came, he came as a humble servant. But the next time he comes, he's coming as the holy sovereign. I'm telling you, it's not just a baby we're celebrating this season. It's the preeminent lord of glory. It's the lord who is soon returning to this earth. And when he returns, he won't be coming as a helpless infant 
in a cradle. He won't be coming as a suffering servant on a cross. The next time he comes, he's coming to his coronation as king of kings, lord of lords, eternal ruler and sovereign of the universe. He's coming as the mighty conqueror, the victorious lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the king the prophet saw. This is the king we celebrate in this season. The light that was born into the world and the love that was expressed on that night in Bethlehem so long ago is the same light and love that is extended to you even now. The kingdom of God has, has broken into this world in the form of Jesus. Today, the life and the peace and the help and the joy and the blessing and the provision and the hope of that kingdom is extended to you as you turn to Jesus in simple faith and trust. See, not only was Jesus born in a stable in Bethlehem long, long ago, but, but he has been born in the hearts of all who surrender to him as well. Every person without Jesus is walking in the darkness of sin. And your need is for the light to shine, to push back your darkness. The provision for your salvation has been made by the coming of Jesus to this world. And all that remains is for you to access that provision for your life. And you do that by believing in him, by turning to him and trusting in him as your savior, by surrendering your life to him and his authority. And when you do that, then, then Christmas takes on a whole new meaning. See, see, when your life is surrendered to Jesus, then you become a citizen of a new kingdom with loyalty to a new king. And I want to tell you, this king I'm talking about isn't sitting in the Oval Office of the White House. <laughs> this king sits with the heavens as his throne and the earth as his footstool. This king I'm talking about isn't voted into office every four years. This king rules from everlasting to everlasting. And this king doesn't change his policies based on the latest opinion polls. This king is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> this king doesn't travel in Air Force One. This king rides upon the wind and sits upon the flood. I tell you something else. This king doesn't need a majority of legislators to agree with him in order to enact his will. No, this king declares a thing and it is so. He speaks and it is done. This is the king the prophet saw. When you surrender to this new king, then he touches you and transforms your life from the inside out. It's such a radical change. That the only way to adequately describe it is to say you are born again. Here's what I know. If you will turn to Jesus, he will save you from your sin. He will make you a new creation, give you a brand new start where old things pass away and all things will become new. If you will call on Jesus, he will help you right where you need him most. Let's stand. Lord, now I'm praying for these people who are sharing with me in this service today.
And if there is one who has not yet surrendered their heart to you, I pray that in this moment, they will have the courage to do that. I pray, oh Lord, we, we, we don't need a sign, we don't need a feeling, we just need a decision. And I pray that you'll give them the courage to make the best decision that they will ever make in their life, to surrender to you. And when they do, I ask you to confirm your word and release into their life your joy, your peace, your love. And take the darkness and push it back by the light of your glory and your grace. And Father, in this moment now, as we turn to you, if there are those that are walking through a dark valley, I pray that your light will shine upon them as well. Dispel the gloom. Disperse the darkness. Show them the light of your glory. Give them a fresh run at it. I'm asking that you will do what you said in your word when you said, Behold, I make all things new. That's what I'm praying for, for these people. And I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.